welcome to the Anthesis Net Zero podcast series. I'm Tobias Park and I'm here with Sarah Tallahoo, who's working with cities and municipalities around the UK, uh, which are setting targets to achieve net zero associated with the UK's climate plan and also with the climate emergency movement. So we're going to be discussing how data is being used to help them plan to avoid future emissions. Hi, Sarah. It's great to talk with you today. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me on the podcast. So cities account for around 60% of greenhouse gases around the world. How many cities, municipalities and local governments in the UK are you working with? We're currently working with about 10 local governments that vary in size and in geography. So, for example, Birmingham, one of the biggest cities in the UK, um, and Kent, which is a local government which contains many municipalities within it. Mm. So could you tell us a bit about what you're doing with them? The work that we do with the local governments is really founded on the principles of evidence-based decision-making. And we're taking the local governments on a journey through starting from uh, really understanding the current greenhouse gas emissions footprint, what the key sources of emissions are for that particular local government. Um, And that's where we formulate the analysis of the work that we do. So then once the analysis is undertaken, we move on to the solutions element of the offering, which is starting to understand what the solutions could be for that particular local government's context in terms of reducing their emissions and helping them on the net zero transition. And once the analysis and uh, solutions have been provided, then we move on to the implementation, which is looking at specific projects that can be undertaken in the short term to help reduce emissions. Um, And we find that local governments are really at varying stages of this journey when they come to us to support them with this work. So some may already have an action plan in place and looking to develop it further, or some might actually be um, right at the start of the journey and needing to understand what their current footprint is and, and begin that process. Okay, great. So given that the range of sizes of uh, bodies and different sort of characteristics, what, what ranges of ambitions are you seeing being set out there for them? Um, yeah, so a lot of uh, a lot of this whole movement of net zero with uh, municipalities and with cities started from um, many of these councils declaring climate emergencies. Um, and as a result of declaring that climate emergencies, in, in many cases, they've set a net zero ambition, which is either aligned with the UK's national net zero ambition for 2050, or it's more ambitious than that. So narrowing down that time frame. Um, so for the most part, we're looking mainly at scope one and two, uh, which is direct and indirect emissions from the activities that occur within the boundary. But um, some councils are being even more ambitious than that. So, for example, Bristol have included scope three, which is kind of indirect emissions, which relate to the consumption of goods and services, um, which may occur, so emissions that may occur outside of the boundary as a result of activities within the boundary. So Bristol is actually including those within its net zero ambitions. And they're looking, doing a piece of work right now to, to think about um, what that means and who's responsible ultimately for those emissions and how we can engage people and businesses on reducing those emissions. And uh, in other cases, for example, Nottingham, their their target date is 2028. So I think they're looking to really become the first net zero city in the UK. So that's a really ambitious goal. Mm, That does seem very ambitious. And I mean, maybe if we focus on Nottingham, given their level of ambition, could you describe the way 
And what are they doing to turn that into more of a reality? So the kind of process that they're going through, they've actually recently had their action plan kind of fully signed off. But up until now, they've already been doing a fair amount, it's fair to say, um, a lot around transport. So they're really looking to focus in on increasing the levels of public transport that are happening. Obviously, everything that's happening at the moment with COVID has changed things and it's made things a lot more difficult. Um, but uh, prioritizing walking and cycling routes, uh, looking at an emissions-based parking tariff system within the city, and really trying to lower the levels of car usage using different policy levers, like um, they put in place a workplace parking levy, where they're charging employers and really trying to encourage them to reduce the number of uh, car spaces that employers use for their staff. Um, so those are a few examples. And, and I think, you know, really around the transport area is a big one for most of the cities that we work with. And another big area is on obviously on the buildings. Um, but it, there's also an interesting distinction there between the council's buildings that the council has you know, direct control over versus buildings that are on the wider footprint and therefore are owned by businesses or are owned by individual landlords and it becomes more difficult for the council to influence behaviors within those uh, within those um, mm. buildings and that was what i was wondering is what sort of levers do the cities and municipalities have that they can shape those behaviors what are you seeing working there so I think um, on the wider footprint where the council doesn't have its own direct, um, I guess, ownership over particular buildings or services, it's really about engagement. And it's um, one of the things that we see uh, as being kind of the core element of the net zero planning process is how they engage with businesses, with schools, with individuals, with the wider public during the net zero planning process. And it's actually really important that they do that and not have that as sort of an add-on at the end. So I think in terms of the, 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 the policy levers that exist, you know, there's, there's a lot of financial difficulties that many of the councils are facing at the moment, but um, where we have seen um, uh, initiatives be quite successful is where they've really engaged with their local communities. They've engaged with key um, businesses, large businesses that exist within the boundary, and they've built those relationships to kind of work together on the net zero ambition rather than it coming from the top down. Mm, interesting. So the role of that real strong stakeholder engagement um, increasingly being important in the sense of um, I guess is 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 weak power. Uh, if the cities don't have the ability to force, they've got to persuade. So that's great, Sarah. Many thanks for your time. Obviously, as you mentioned, COVID nineteen is forcing a rethink of how cities operate, and it's all very early days. We hope it, you know, it won't uh, hinder any of the developments that are that are happening right now, particularly with public transport. But certainly, it's giving us space to rethink how cities operate. And I'm sure we'll be returning to this topic uh, through the Net Zero series. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you.